Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, friends. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, A.J. Hobbs. Musician A.J. Hobbs plays a sort of neo-traditionalist country music that reflects his origins in the desert east of Los Angeles. Hobbs' childhood home in Riverside County, California, was a dusty, backroad, tumbleweed junction long before the area grew up to be known as Southern California's conservative inland empire, an area which seemed a world away from the more laid-back coastal towns just over the western horizon. Hobbs learned firsthand just how disparate the towns were when his mother packed up the family, San's dad, and moved to Orange County near the ocean. Hobbs didn't fit in with the surfer crowd, and he found solace in a couple of habits picked up from his wayward, hard-drinking father. The first of these inherited traits was music. After hearing country icons like Waylon, Willie, old-school R&B, and gospel at home, Hobbs picked up the guitar and began to write songs. But along with this musical inspiration came his father's penchant for drinking and other associated bad behavior. Hobbs worked hard to earn success in the music industry, but addiction helped his self-destructive demons grow along with his reputation as a stalwart performer. Perhaps miraculously, Hobbs didn't wind up in jail or dead before he managed to get the wheels back on the track. As he prepares to release his debut full-length album in early 2017, his band is as hot as ever, and Hobbs is poised to live up to his honky-tonk potential. Welcome to Independence Day, A.J. Hobbs. What's up, AJ? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks for coming in today. Joe, it's great to be here. I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing the band. Yes, of Thanks course. for bringing a, uh, a bag, a satchel of new songs. Thank Looking you. Looking forward to hearing those. Looking forward to everyone else hearing those. You've got yeah. a new EP and a new single mm-hmm. that you're plugging. Yeah. Uh, and a new record coming out early next year. Yeah. Uh, so you're a busy man. Yeah. You've got a lot going on. Definitely. And Definitely you a new busy. kid, right? Yeah. Yes. A new baby boy. So congratulations. Thank you very much. When do you sleep? Uh... There's, 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 a, there's kind of like a system that my wife and I have basically right now. So like whoever's got the more intense, like day following day is the guy who's basically on call the night before or something or girl. like that. So yeah, yeah, exactly, guy or girl. So uh, I lucked out. I got, uh, she, uh, I was on call today, or rather that I, I had work to do today, and so she was on call last night. So okay. I'm doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to hear, man, and congratulations. Thank you. Uh, you know, that's a really interesting thing, how that affects people's music. I've found um, people tend to write differently yeah. after they have children because it, there, you know, there are fewer things that change your perspective as much as mm-hmm. having a, a child, an offspring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of the songs that I wrote for this new record that's coming out were prior to me having a kid, but he was cooking when I wrote a couple of them. You know, so that was, uh, you know, that was definitely an inspiration for me. For and sure. it uh, it changes your priorities, I think. Has it, it, is it for you? Has that happened? Like, has it changed how you approach your music already? It's interesting, actually, because all this stuff is kind of starting to happen organically. You know, and in 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 timing with. <laughs> Do you mean you know, making children or making music or both? making music? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, things. You know, all of this. You know all of this stuff kind of started to come together like right as he was born, essentially, you know, putting together, you know, hiring a team and getting the publicists involved and getting the radio people involved and getting management involved and all that kind of stuff. And it was, um, initially I thought the record was going to be coming out right around the time that he was born, which was freaking me out a little bit. (laughs) I can't imagine why. Yeah, exactly. So thankfully the people who I just talked about who are now part of this team told me that I should do otherwise and I couldn't be more thankful. 
So. Yeah, I, I would agree with their sentiment. They did yeah. talk to you off the wall, and they were smart people. That's why you pay them good money to do that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. The first thing I want to ask you about, we're going to hear something from uh, from you. We recorded a track pretty soon here, something from the new record, I think. Yeah. Um, but before that, the first question I have for you is, like, right up on your tagline, on your, uh, your YouTube channel, it says, Real Country Music. Yeah. And I want to know, like, how do you define that exactly? Because that's, that's something... You know, I, I don't want to say it's boastful, but it's something like that's, yeah. that's like a strong statement. Like, what, what yeah, does yeah, that yeah, mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's a really good question, actually. And, and to, to be to be totally honest, it's not necessarily like a reflection. It is a reflection of the music that I make, but it's more that so that when people who have never heard of me are kind of coming to see what I am all about, that they can see that word, that one word, real, before the other words, country music, and kind of think to themselves, okay. This guy is probably all about more traditional stuff. He's all about the people that I look up, look up to, like Waylon and Willie and Johnny Cash and Johnny Paycheck and Jerry Jeff Walker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's that was that was the that was the design behind using that word. I don't want to boast that I'm like the most real country artist out there. I don't really think so. In fact, if you listen to my record, you can see that it sort of it I, I'm kind of you know it goes all over the place you know it's very yeah. country it's very soulful uh, there's Texas style country in there there's Nashville style country in there you know there's yeah. you know it's got blends of R&B in it it's you know it's uh, that's well, people have short attention spans, yeah, right? So it's smart to come up with something like the most distilled version because people, like I always ask, you know, what's your elevator pitch? You know, it's a thing, not just for LA, it's a big thing in LA, but you have to get to the point. People have yeah. very short attention spans. And right now, as artists, we're competing with more entertainment and more media than we ever have before. There are TVs at the gas stations. You know, you've got a device in your pocket which you can use to not only call someone halfway around the world, but like find out where this international space station is in a given moment. Yeah. You can, if you don't know what a star is, you can hold it up and it'll tell you what star that is. Like we have the full width and breadth, you know, some of it's BS, but we have the full width and breadth of the human experience, like yeah. in, at access at almost all times. Yeah. So, like, how does one as an artist, like, how do you get people's attention? Like, how do you break through that? How do you, you know, you've got a new record coming out. There's something you must be talking about. I just about. put my video up at gas stations, man. That's what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Palin was on a gas station TV at one point, and I, I, I had that's to say how she this, got the nomination. It I kind of in, it, it almost yeah. enraged me because I don't like commercials. I don't like mm-hmm. to be advertised to. Even if I'm in my own home, mm-hmm. I tend to mute the commercials, much mm-hmm. to the consternation of some girlfriends I've had. Yeah, but uh, like I don't want to be advertised to everywhere. If it's a commercial, I mute it. If it's on my phone, I'll turn the phone around. I won't mm-hmm. look at it. Yeah, but the, but then your captive audience at the gas station, and when Sarah yeah. Palin was on there, maybe I'm just showing my cards, but man. It drove me crazy. I don't want yeah. to see Sarah Palin while I'm gassing up my car. You could not pump your gas fast enough, probably. No. Yeah. no. I would go to a different gas station if that meant not seeing Sarah Palin. Well, Joe, I have like I have like very serious promotional goals. And one of the... Are, do you know where Rick's is, the burger place in Silver Lake? I don't, Have you actually. been there before? So they have this like marquee and basically like there's... It's, it's like all very community-based. Like it'll be like, you know, happy birthday, Emily, happy 13th or whatever, or happy anniversary to, right. you know, Bob and Janice or something like that. I, when, when this record drops... I want to make sure that it says too much is never enough is out in stores. Okay. So that's how I want to reach people outside of like, you know, the normal channels, which is, you know, making sure, you know, it just, to kind of, to your point in this day and age with all of this technology, it's tough. It's really tough to kind of keep up with like all the things that I think that you're supposed to do. Right. So when I, 
when I'm thinking about all these things that I think that I'm supposed to be doing to promote myself, am I making enough videos? Am I posting enough stuff on social media? It can kind of drag down the creative process right. and just the fun of being an artist, right? Because you're constantly thinking like, did I like hashtag that right? You know? And um, so what, uh, the to me, like the sort of, you know, the 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 benchmark to really use is just for me to be myself, you know? Right. If I feel like making a video for a song, I'll make a video for a song. If I'm feeling inspired to post a video that I made on my cell phone that day, that's what I'm going to do, you right. know, rather than kind of like you know, this sort of like feeling that I'm always competing against like this brotherhood of like musicians that, you know, I love being a part of brotherhood and sisterhood, by the way. Um, that I really love being a part of, you know, and I would love to kind of just sort of relax and enjoy the experience yeah. of making music. We've all had to become cottage industries because, you know, oh, one yeah. of the themes people talk, you know, when people talk to, to me about this show, like, oh, you you know, you feature independent musicians. And I say, well, that's true, but that's not actually the sole focus of the show. The whole, the concept behind it is actually, if you really peel back the, the curtain, is that everybody is independent to a certain extent now in a way that they never mm -hmm. were before. You can tweet at, uh, I'm not sure if, say, Robert Plant is on Twitter, but if he is, you could tweet at Robert Plant and he might actually see it. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, you're a kid growing up wherever you're growing up and like your only contact with the music industry was when your band came to town and you saw them and they were <laughs> 200 yards away. Uh, or the clown working at the, you know, riding the desk at your local music store who may or may not have any idea what you're talking about. Um, so now we're all independent to yeah. a certain extent, you know, Agreed. and we, we've have, we've have more tools to reach our audience than we ever have before. But I think now the challenge is getting above the din. Yeah. You know, um, there's so a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise. Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of great music being made, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, people tend to look at competition in a, you know, in a negative light. You know, there's a lot of people out there, but mm -hmm. it can also enhance creativity too. I mean, look at you know when the Beatles heard Pet Sounds, it's like whoa, 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 <laughs> that's got true. Up, got up the game a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's good to know there are good people out there. It's something to strive for. It is no, and it is good. And 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 again, I think for me, the important thing is to remain inspired. You know, right? But I don't. And there's you know there's there can be like a level of healthy competition for sure. Yeah. But what I hate to see happen is that and then. You know, let's be honest, you know, country music, Americana music in L.A. is a small scene, you know, yeah. and I think that it, 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 the more that we can support each other, you know, the yeah. better off that everybody is going to be. And there is, right now, I feel that there is a lot of support, but uh, I also feel that, uh, you know, there's there's a few different groups out there, you know, yeah. kind of trying to, trying to like have like one foot or one hand, sort of like a weird twister game, and every single one of those yeah. groups is a little bit tough. It's odd, you know, this Americana thing, this alt-country, no depression, call it what you want. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not that old. I mean, it kind of rose up, you know, very late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Uncle Tupelo, Whiskey Town, Jayhawks. Mm -hmm. and there were a few other bands kind of slightly ahead of the curve. But the Stones played country songs. They did. Pink Floyd had pedal steel in their music. Mm -hmm. You know, rock bands have been flirting with country all the way along because yeah. a lot of those original rockers were from the South. Yeah. Jerry, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis and mm -hmm. Elvis mm -hmm. and like, you know, the, they, that the music they heard growing up was country music. So yeah. anyway, it's all connected. I'm not even sure. I'm kind of off on a tangent there. I wasn't no, sure no, how I, I even it. got down that road, but 
uh, you yourself as a country artist. I guess what I'm getting at is that, you know, I want to, when we come back, I want to play the song first. The song is going to be something from your new record. Um, but your music is, it's definitely country. And I would say it's country with a capital C because it's country. There's not a lot of sub genres in there. I mean, maybe a little bit, but you're not like bro country, for example. No. Right. And you're not, I wouldn't even say you're country rock necessarily. You're closer no. to the center of, epicenter of definitely country. more traditional i mean i draw my inspirations from traditional country artists outlaw country artists but yeah. also the country artists you know from that time that did cross over a little bit you know yeah. jerry reed was you know he, a, an amazing you know people would definitely categorize that guy as country but he added like a little bit of soul and swampiness to yeah. his music that made him who he was and the funny thing is, it's actually, I, I seek not to put you in a box, or any of us as musicians. Please do not. Because <laughs> it's not really us who are so concerned about labels. It's usually the people trying to sell the stuff. And since now we're all so independent, like, why even, who even cares? Right. You know, you release your music, you know, people, you still need that elevator pitch. What do you sound like? Right? Yeah. Well, I, I listened to Johnny Cash growing up, or I listened to the Pixies or whatever you listen yeah. to growing up. So, you know, that's going to get in there and come back out some way. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this week's guest, AJ Hobbs, he's got his band sitting in here. Amps are buzzing. We're going to hear some live songs in just a few minutes, but first we're going to hear something from his brand new record. It's not even out yet. Won't come out till early next year in February. I believe mid to late February. We're looking at the, uh, the album is called too much is never enough. And the song is, I can't actually even say the title. We try to be, uh, Try to have our grandmothers able to listen to the show. So I'm going to say Poop Just Got Real is what I'm going to call this title. That's <laughs> How the, about Stuff Just that's Got Real? That's the Stuff Just Got Real. That's, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, that's the PG-13 version of mm -hmm. what the song is called. The record, again, like I said, Too Much Is Never Enough. The song, loosely <laughs> translated, Stuff Just Got Real. The artist is A.J. Hobbs on Independence Day. Friday night and I've been drinking with the boys Just stumbling home and I'm making noise Didn't mean to wake, baby, so I'll just move along. But I can't see what we're doing wrong. The boss wants me to work on Saturday. No overtime, but damn, I need the pay. Yeah, we were supposed to see your mama, but I can't make it now. Don't your mama hate me anyhow Shit just got me And I don't know exactly how you feel And if you're leaving me for good Well I guess that's just the deal Baby shit just got real Shit just got me And I don't know exactly how you feel Well, if you're leaving me for good Well, I guess that's just a deal And baby, shit just got real
girls tell me I done crossed the line. Sipping on a glass of wine. And while I'm at the job site, you're living off the grid. And don't child support come with all them kids. You tell me you can't take it anymore. And that you're gonna walk right out. My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day, and thank you ever so much for doing so. Come to you Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Soon it's going to be Pacific Standard Time. That breaks my heart, man, mm-hmm. when that happens. I, I love, hate seeing that daylight I love, Some away. people hate daylight saving time. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it, love it, love I it. Do. I do it all year round if I I'm could. not even a farmer. I love it. I'm not even a farmer. I have grown crops, and I do have things growing right outside my apartment right now. Tomatoes. That you eat? Tomatoes. I do. Tomatoes. Okay, good. good. Jalapenos. Uh, salon. We, blew, we, we screwed up the cilantro. I didn't think it was possible to do that. It kind of grew into like... It's a, like a very frail plant. It, well, it you wasn't be that. Careful. It didn't die. It actually grew too well. It turned into this bush. Oh. Like this whole giant thing. And it wasn't... It didn't look like cilantro anymore. And I wasn't yeah. sure what to do with that. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it didn't cost very much. We'll put some more in the ground. Uh, and encourage people to grow their own food. Aspen, California. You can do it any time of the year. In Please. any case, this week's guest, AJ Hobbs. You can visit him at ajhobbsmusic.com. And that's Hobbs without an E, unlike Calvin and Hobbs. Yes. H-O-B-B-S. Drop that E. Uh, we're going to hear uh, the full band play some live songs here in just a few minutes. But we're going to chat about some music stuff before we do. Um, now, tell me, give me like your baseball card. You grew up where exactly? What part of the world? So I grew up, I, I grew up, I'm a California-raised boy. Uh, man, whatever you want to call it. I grew up in Riverside County, grew up in Orange County. Um, yeah, so, you know, my story kind of starts when um, my parents were seeking a better life and had to kind of get away from the coast and went into, at the time, I wasn't referred to as the Inland Empire at the time. Right. I mean, I'm sort of dating myself here. Let's just say it was a while ago. And we moved to this like one stoplight town called Sunnymead. We're literally like every single day there were tumbleweeds, tumble, excuse me, every single day there were tumbleweeds rolling down my street. And everybody on that street all listened to country music because it was all tow truck drivers, it was right. all tuck truck Blue truck, collar. Yeah, blue collar folks, right? Um, living in a one stoplight town. So, uh, you know, Sunday nights, 
pretty much you were over at somebody's at somebody's house eating dinner and watching Hee Haw. And I was just kind of, my eyes were open. I was like, whoa, what is this? These guys are really funny. I really dig this music. And everybody around, I mean, at the time, it wasn't like necessarily the artists that I emulate you know, after these days, you know, it was more like Oak Ridge Boys and Dolly Parton. Right. Alabama, 80s country. 80s country, exactly. Which was had, it was funny, 80s country was interesting because it was, it was kind of polished to a high sheen. The Nashville machine was in full swing by that point, right? And had been for a good number of years. Mm-hmm. But they hadn't changed the sound scan yet, which happened in the early 90s when country started taking over the Billboard charts. Yeah. Because country was always the people's music in the United States, get, get, 50 miles outside of every major metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. And what are people listening to? It's country music everywhere yeah. you go. So, and, you know, there's lots of things that people can read about the under reporting yeah. uh, by SoundScan uh, of country music because it used to be like a hand thing. And it was, it was music business is a dirty music. I hate to, it's a dirty business. I hate to break this to people, but it things is. were handwritten and suitcases of money were exchanged and albums oh, that yeah. maybe sold didn't sell as much were inflated and maybe albums that sold a lot weren't because it wasn't cool. Yeah. To listen to that kind of stuff. Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. I don't think so. But so that was just normal. That was the stuff you heard growing up around. Yeah, where it you was. Were. I mean, it was, and it was kind of all over. You know, I mean, there was off, I mean, there was also just kind of like slow 70s, 80s rock, 80s rock that was on the radio and disco and everything like that. But yeah. what really stuck out to me was the country music. It was kind of, it was, it was not, it was, it was more than just music. It was kind of like a feeling, you know, right. it was a vibe and, and it was, and it was family. So, um, you know, and then my my parents split up, and we left the Inland Empire. We left the desert, you know, and um, moved back to Orange County, which is where I was born, and uh, settled. My mother and my brother and I settled down in Huntington Beach. Uh, Jeremy, who is playing with me today, uh, is also from Huntington Beach. I used to date a girl that lived across the street from him when he wow. was growing up. Yeah, and I just figured this out. Probably about four months ago it's when I started a small working with him. After on the exactly. thing, I want to go back real, real quick before we get yeah. you geographically to Orange County. Please, again. I think that people tend to forget people who aren't from California or even people who live here now. Yeah, you know Riverside in the '80s or '70s or any time before that was a long way from Los Angeles. It really was. There wasn't. I mean, it was Orange Groves. It was between L.A. Pasadena was Orange Groves up yeah. until a certain point, and all Orange those Groves. towns along the ten, the two ten didn't yeah. even exist yet. Yeah, and so. I mean, in a way, you were Southern California, but in a way, you very much weren't. No. You know, you could have been in Bakersfield. You could have been in Arizona. You could have been, I mean, you know, Tennessee, except much more dry without the the bugs. The four to five years that I spent out there, uh, and it wasn't really a long time, you know, but it was at a certain age where, like, everything, you know, I was like a, I was a little sponge, you know, just sort of like soaking everything in, and it really changed my life. There was really nothing out there. I mean... All the kids went to one school, right? You know, because there went, only was one school. Because there, there really only kids was for one school. Yeah, you go out to that place now, and it's completely different. I mean, it's fully developed. But like in the late seventies and the early eighties, when I was living there, you know, it was just there was there was one housing development. That's where everybody lived. We all went to the same school. There was one restaurant. It was a hot dog stand. Right. There were no sit down restaurants anywhere in my town at all. And there was a Stater Brothers, and that's where you got your food. Everyone got their food. Everybody got their food at the local Stater Brothers. There was no other, there were there were no options. It was all. a very different time in America in general, and I'm going to date myself too talking about this. But there's, we've lost the concept of the universal experience as Americans. You know, when there were three channels plus maybe a public TV channel, that's the way it was when I grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, you had ABC, CBS, and NBC. 
and that was it. If it wasn't on one of those channels, yeah, it didn't happen. So yeah. like when when Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was Willy Wonka, whatever they called it, the movie with uh, Gene Wilder, mm-hmm. um, when that came on TV, all the kids, it was like a ghost town. Like the kids would be going bananas out there playing, and you know, in the, in the dusk and the gloaming. And it's like, oh, we all knew it was going to be on at seven, and boom, whoosh, yeah, bikes left in yards, baseballs left in yards, jump ropes left on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. everything left mm-hmm. where it was. Boom, we're sitting in front of the TV to watch. Like that's our only chance for the year to see those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, and then for adults, it was the same kind of thing. So when like a big event would happen, like uh, when Ronald Reagan got shot or, you know, big, big social events would happen, yeah. everyone experienced it kind of the yeah. same way. And now yeah. everything is so diffuse. Oh, yeah. You know, everything, everyone's coming at it from a different perspective. Um, and this election has really, I think, driven that home because now, you know, my, the, my boss at the radio station where I do my day job thing, his concept is that everyone has their own facts now. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of true in a way because everyone thinks they know what the truth is. I would agree. It's interesting. Yeah, and I'm not sure it's good. <laughs> I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure. It's but good I'm not either. sure there's anything we can do about it either. There used to be one place where you got all of your news, right? And now there's like forty thousand places where yeah. you get news, and everybody's you know it's just you know this the stuff. I mean, and let's let's just be honest. People are pulling most of their information from social media, right? So, and it's basically whatever their friends are talking about. And whether whatever stuff they repost in other news feeds, crowdsourced like that. information. Yeah, from 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 like a pretty unreliable source, and I don't even know if like you know the sources that I have deemed reliable are even telling the truth either at this yeah. point because they're competing against so many different outlets. You know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, well now we're off down that tangent. Let's, yeah, let's, we let's did. Let's have we, the band. You've got the band. We'll we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, you and what you're doing. Your new record, yeah. uh, styles, music styles, that kind of thing. But first, I want to give people a taste of what you're all about musically. This is all. I'll think all the songs you're playing today are kind of previews of the new record, which is coming out in February. Yes, to say it properly. Yeah, February. February. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you. Hit the nail on the head, buddy. something like that. Yeah. Okay, so this uh, let's let's introduce the band. They're actually they're not here, but we should we should at least give a tip of the hat to them because they're excellent players, and I can't wait for you to guys hear what they sound like. Uh, I'm gonna mess up her last name. I know it. Uh, Kitten Kudoy. Kitten Kudoy. Pretty yeah. close. I got it. Pretty yeah, close. yeah. Uh, she's gonna be singing some lovely background vocals. Stone Storm Road the Fourth. One of my favorite players here in L.A. is playing guitar. He's and great. Jeremy Long's playing pedal steel. Can't also wait to hear great. this. So, uh, so, but the rest of the record, the record itself is going to have drums and bass and like it the does. whole nine yards. So this is kind of stripped down for this particular. It is. Thing. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm really really pleased with. I, I got to work with so many amazing musicians on this record. If I can talk about. Well, that hold on to that. Let's play the song first. We'll okay. come back. We'll talk about that. Great. All right. So this is AJ Hobbs. The song is "Daddy Loved the Lord." You'll hear this on his new record coming out in February, and uh, let's hear this on Independence Day. Daddy loved the Lord. With the dawn, turn the TV off and put your church clothes on. Jim and Tammy Faye clogging up the stereo. Mom and Dad, they don't fight no more. He ain't swerving home from the liquor store. But he talks about it like it was years ago. Daddy was a good man, but he struggled with the booze. And the cocaine Never coming home at night And lost a lot of fights And some friends along the way 
butter dip in the water don't clear the slate with the broke-up family. Can daddy love the Lord just a little bit more than he loved my mama and me? Slipping through the cracks Smashing pennies on the railroad tracks Our non-believing friends Turned from our dough The word of God gave Dad the chills Couldn't love my mama pay the bills Was the same man but the same man from before Daddy was a good man with the booze and the cocaine Never coming home at night And lost a lot of fights And some friends along the way But a dip in the water Don't clear the sink With the broke-up family Daddy loved the Lord Just a little bit more Than he loved my mama and me Mama left him that hurt him most We packed up the Chevy and drove to the coast Taillights blazing, Papa praying Everything he had just drove away Joe Armstrong, that is A.J. Hobbs, the musician. You can check him out at ajhobbsmusic.com. You're very well-branded, my friend. You're like uh, all your stuff, with the exception of one thing. You've got uh, ajhobbsmusic.com. On Facebook, you're A.J. Hobbs Music. Uh, on Instagram, you're A.J. Hobbs Music. At SoundCloud, you're A.J. Hobbs Music. But the one thing that's different, I do believe, is your YouTube channel, which is A.J. Hobbs Music Country. Yeah. If I've got that right. Yeah, exactly. Because as it turns out, AJ Hobbs' music was already taken. Man. Isn't that crazy? I, I still can't believe I have joearmstrong.com to tell you the truth. You You're know, it's not very like, lucky. It's not like I'm named John Smith. No. Right? But my first name's pretty common, and my last name's kind of medium common. It's pretty standard. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, it, I've had it for years and years and years, but when I went to check, I was like, oh, my Lord, I can't believe it. I bought it up on the spot. 
And uh, now I'm the man in yeah. terms of that. I'm master of my domain, I guess is the way to say that. So, Good job. Uh, so you're fully branded. You've got all kinds of video content. You've got all kinds of music content on there. You've got a new, e- what's that, new EP? How new is this EP? So that EP I actually made really quickly for a tour that I did in March in Texas. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been... Newish. Out, newish. Probably about six months. Yeah. To a lot. To most of you listening, it is very new. The Den Sessions is what that called. But in, is this for sale or is this something you just kind of... That is for sale. Okay. So you can grab it on my website. I like to say it's exclusively on my website okay. for sale. So you can't download the tracks on iTunes or listen to them on Spotify or anything like that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's something good. It, it's a good representation of what I sound like when I'm on the road mostly because it's a four piece. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. Go to the website and grab a copy. And that's ajhobsmusic.com. Before right. the song, we started talking about like the players on the record. Let's just kind of talk about the record in general, right? Yeah. So the EP you did, uh, you said, I say just, I hate to say the word just, but basically so that you had something to have at shows. Yeah. Because it takes a while to make a record, even in the internet age. Yeah. As simple as it's gotten, it's still complex. It's a big project. Well, believe it or not, we made that record in a day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally. Well, it can like, be done. And it can be done. And it, sound, and it sounds great for like the 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 short amount of time that we had to make it, but I was really, I, I literally was in the studio a week before I took off, just kind of thinking to myself, you know, the genesis of this new record, which we can go into detail about or not. I guess uh, that's what I'm talking about. Is like, if, yeah, yeah. if you've got a, this is what I'm getting. Let's back up from my, my okay. goal, which I didn't tell you. The release date's not till February. It's not. February. Feb. Let's just say Feb. Feb. The seven, Feb 17, 17th, buddy. I do believe I've got it written down here somewhere. I think, yeah, the Feb's. 17th. Uh, so working, if you've got a date that far in the future, yeah, like this is a big thing. Yeah, it right? definitely. This is. is not something you just kind of tossed off in the studio, and like ah, oh, here you go, or some cassette thing you did in your bedroom. Like it's a big I deal. Know. You've got to if your if your release date's that far out, you've thought about that. Mm-hmm. There's a campaign of some kind, especially if the song's already recorded and yes. finished and mastered and all that business. Yeah. Um. So given that it's that big of a project, now take me into like where you know this is your first full length. It record is record at this point. It is, and and why wait so long? Is my first question. Uh the answer to that question is is because it took a while to make this record. So initially, I wanted to make a full length, and I had, uh, you know, early on, I decided that I wanted to work with Ted Russell Camp, which I'm sure you you, you mm-hmm. know who he is, Independence Day artist. We've had him yeah. had him on the show. Exactly. Ted's great. He totally gets he gets what I'm about and the sound that I'm going for, and we've played a lot of music together. We went on tour together. We've done a bunch of, I mean, over, over the over the last year, year and a half, we've done a lot of great stuff together. I really wanted him to work on this record with me. Um, right when I was making that decision to do the full length with Ted, all on my own, uh, you know, I got uh, a call from uh, a label who wanted to put out an EP. And so I went into the studio with Ted as a producer and this other guy uh, and um, went to go make this EP and thought to myself, well, you know what, if a label wants to support the EP, then that's probably like, that's probably the right thing to do. Anyways, what happened was that that EP project kind of fell apart because the label... Uh, I won't I won't name the label, but I'll just say that the label decided that they didn't want to be a label anymore. Okay, you know, which is unfortunate because I think in this uh, um, the guy who was sort of championing the project, which is Ben Riddell, he does all the booking for the Grand Old Echo. I think you've probably had Ben him has on been the on the show. show as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, great guy, and uh, um, 
you know, he he kind of came up with this concept that he wanted to release like four EPs at the same time, and mine was going to be one of them. And I thought, wow, this is great. What a good story. You know, it sounds something that, you know, it sounds something cool. It sounds like something cool and something special. I definitely want to be a part of it. And, you know, he was kind of wrestling with that label, and it didn't didn't work out. So I thought to myself, okay, let's go back to plan A. Let's finish the full length. So as a result, I wound up doing this record in three different studios, you know, basically working up to getting this thing finished. And unfortunately, like everything kind of got finished, like really close to the fourth quarter. And everybody that I've been talking to has kind of been like, well, you know, you've waited this long. Why not wait until next year so that you're not competing, you know, against all these, you know, other folks who are putting out big records. Right. In the fourth quarter and the holidays and all that kind of stuff. And as far as I could, you know, as far as I could tell, that was really good advice. You yeah. Know? So that's that's the long answer to your very short. Unless question. you're Paul McCartney and you can release a record anytime you want. Yeah. Or you're releasing a Christmas record, or you're releasing your box set for the Christmas shopping season, yeah. holiday shopping season. Let's say like that's it, the, you're right. Q four. As they say in Patriot is not the time to release a new record. <laughs> unless you're one in one of those demographics, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh so look And I didn't want to shoot myself in the foot. I love this record. I love all of the people who played on it. You know, it's like it's definitely the best music that I have written, like in my entire life, you know, and I've been doing this for a long time. Not always like country and Americana, you know, I have right. a you know, I have you know, a history of playing music and being on the road, but just playing other genres. But I, you know, I absolutely adore this record and all the people yeah. that I've been well, blessed I mean, to work with. I know? will ask the same question again, though. Like, why? If you so, you've been doing music for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, why now? Why is the why is now the time? Why did you wait so long to do a, a full record of this? Are there other records under other like your your klezmer band that we don't know about, or like why wait so long to make this record? A lot of people remember that I was performing under a pseudonym, mm-hmm. Cal King, right? Um, as Cal King, I released a four-song EP okay. called Stuff Just Got Real. <laughs> so the version that you're playing for everybody today is actually like a rework of, okay. of an older song as Cal King. And that record came out, or that EP came out about like two and a half years ago. I think the kind of the answer to your question outside of like, yeah, I mean, I've been the front man for heavy metal bands. I've been drummers for like experimental rock bands. Not drummers. I've only been one drummer in my life, as far as I can tell. But, you know, I played drums. I, you know, I've, I've played music all of my life, you know, playing, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to fool anybody out there into thinking that I've been playing country music all my life, other mm-hmm. than the records that I play on my turntable. Right. Right. But, uh, so as Cal King, I released a four song EP, which was great. You know, it helped me get some gigs and kind of get some notoriety around town and connect with some people. But then I really started writing better songs, you know, and um, that's kind of why it took so long to sort of get me to where I was. There was a little bit of a, there was a four, the four song Cal King EP was really to just kind of let, like I explained, just to sort of help sort of, you know, establish yeah, myself. Get your feet wet. And I played gigs for a year and a half as yeah. Cal King, you know, doing like, lo- like kind of like these long haul gigs where you play like for four hours. Right, right, you know, right. Like these big dance halls. Right. And you're playing a lot of people's, you're, you're playing other people's music as well as your own, you know, and I was on that trajectory for almost two years, you know, just doing those gigs. And then I kind of had to sort of put the brakes on and be like, yo, man, you need to put out a full length. And that's when I started having the conversation with Ted, you know, and we just meandered down that road like I was telling you. So um, good things come to those who wait. Yeah. 
you know, and that's kind of how this worked with me. But like the songs, my songwriting style now, anybody that listen to that Cal King stuff, you know, they'll see a massive difference. Yeah. They'll see a massive difference between the Den Sessions in this new record. And well. to back up even farther, why, why did you pick Cal King instead of just going under your own name? As That's a funny story. So I was, there, was a, there was a guy, at, at the time when I was sort of putting together my band, um, there was a dude named Kent who was like kind of like, I don't know, he was, he was almost like our de facto manager. He was just like, you know, anybody who he could talk to and he was pretty, you know, tied into this scene. Like he knew Mike Stinson and, you know, all those cats and everything like that. And he was introducing me to a lot of people. He recommended that like, because I just wanted to go by A.J. Hobbs from, from the get-go. And he told me that my band would hate me if I, if, if, if I took my name, you know, especially since there were, you know, I wasn't like paying everybody as like a hired gun or as like right. a pickup band or something like that. And that I'm better off just having the name of a band. Mm -hmm. So we were California King mm -hmm. for a little while. And then I dropped the Alifornia. If, if, if uh, the and went by Cal King, and then that kind of became my name for a while, mm -hmm. and everybody, and that sort of happened organically. Like everybody just kind of was calling me Cal King, you know. Yeah. And so I said, okay, I guess I'm Cal King for a little bit. It just, but it just, it felt like you know, it was like the the left foot going in the right shoe. It just, yeah. it, it didn't feel right to me. And then you dropped it because it, it's kind of the Mellencamp story to a certain extent. It is a little he, bit. He always, you know, he was just going to be John Mellencamp. And he, I, I think the story goes, he didn't even know that his first record was going to come out as John Cougar. Johnny was even Johnny Cougar. Yeah. At the start. And so yeah. maybe, maybe I've got that wrong, but so when the no, record I came, I, I think I've heard that story when the record before. came out, he was like, Hey, what's this? You yeah. know, but the, by that point it was too late. They'd printed up however many copies and he got a lot of success under that name. So yeah. you, know, you watch that transition over a few records first. It was Mm -hmm. John, John, Johnny Cougar, then John Cougar, then John Cougar Mellencamp, and then eventually just John yeah. Mellencamp. I didn't get the Grammy nomination as Cal King, so it, it was right. the, 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 the decision to drop that name and just go with my own. There weren't name. a lot of teenage girls who had written that on their folder. Yeah, a couple. A couple. couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but that's it. But, you know, the, <laughs> the lawyers will take care of them. <laughs> anyway, let's hear another song. We'll come back talk a little bit more about your career in music, where you've been, where you're going, that kind of thing. My guest this week, A.J. Hobbs. He's got a hot band here. Um, I'm going to try this again. Kitten Kudoy. Yeah. Close. Singing some 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 wonderful vocals. Storm Road the fourth on guitar. Jeremy Long playing some uh, some pedal steel. Love the pedal steel, man. I could you just mute everything else. I'll just listen to him play. I mean, all due respect to the rest of you guys. I just love hearing pedal steel. That's fine. I'm just Jeremy would love that. All day, every day. So AJ Hobbs and this song, tell me just a little bit about this one. What is this one? So tomorrow I'll be hurting. Tomorrow I'll be hurting. And what's this? What, well, tell me what's about. This is obviously about. So this is kind of Alexandria, about that, that Virginia, sort of like when the library burn. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. No, it is kind of about that sort of like two year sort of stretch where I was just doing gig after gig after gig, and I was playing to you know just I was playing a lot to lots of great people, but I was like going back to the same places over and over again, and sort of like you know making connections with people, but sort of feeling like you know uh, the um, you know the 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 line says, like, you know, um, the line in the song says, uh, some, sometimes it feels like heaven, most days I'm going to hell. You okay. Know, all you want is water, but there's nothing in the well. It's kind of like that desire to sort of, like, move forward in my career and everything like that, you know. But, you know, you know but help me if you can put something in my jar just for tonight. Right. Tomorrow I'll be hurting, but tonight I'm going to be a star because I, you know, just, right. you know, that's kind of the, the way that you would feel. And, well, and that's, that's the reality of being a musician. Yeah. 
you know, even the, it's like, you know, I guess if you get to the McCartney stage, you don't have, even if you have a bad gig, nobody cares because nobody can tell. But for most of us, sometimes you're going to play for a lot of people. Sometimes you're just not. Yeah. That's how it goes, man. It's a long, it, it's, it's, it's a long road. And I just, you know, I just, it just kind of came to me. In yeah. fact, it came to me one day after I'd like sort of got back from like doing a show in central California, came home and just wrote the song down. And, um, uh, well, yeah. here it is. Let's play it. Here it is. Here it is. So this is the song. A.J. Hobbs is the artist this week on Independence Day. Drop by indepthday.com to hear this and many, many other episodes. A lot of stuff there. A lot of really great people. I'm proud to bring you each and every one of them. This is A.J. Hobbs and his band with Tomorrow I'll Be Hurtin'. Going down the road Taking lots of chances Is it one night stands And lonely cowboy dances Living life this way Is harder than it sounds Jumping off the stage And falling through the ground Play you every song I know And then I'll play them all again Think I've seen this place before But I can't remember when It's all sinking in I can't turn back now Shaking hands and paying the band And getting by somehow Sometimes it feels like heaven Most days I'm gone ahead All you want is water But there's nothing in the way So help me if you can Put something in my jar Tomorrow I'll be hurting Tonight I'll be Making lots of fans, some of them are friends. They all want to know when I'll be back again. Truth is, I don't know, but I know I will. Cause they stick me on the road and then they stick me with the bill. Sometimes it feels like heaven, most days I'm gone ahead. All you want is water. But there's nothing in the well So help me if you can Put something in my jar Tomorrow I'll be hurting Tonight I'll be a star
stop checking in right around San Antonio. So I rolled down the window and then I threw out the goddamn phone. Sinking to the bottom with the rocks inside my shoes. Singing on the road again, and I'm thinking love sick blue. Sometimes it feels like heaven, most days I'm gone ahead. All you want is water, but there's nothing in the well. Tell me if you can put something in my jar. Tomorrow I'll be hurting, tonight I'll be a star. Tomorrow's another hustle, tonight I'll be a star. Hey, everybody. My name's Joe Armstrong. Thanks for listening to Independence Day. Come to you Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific time. You can check us out on iTunes anytime you like. Also on our website anytime you like. Our website's indepday.com. That's I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Also, indepday slash iTunes. Indepday.com slash iTunes. Something like that. You figure it out. You got, everybody's got an iPhone anyway. Where if you go to the, the, um, the native Apple Podcasts app, you could look us up under, Inde- I think it's Independence Day Radio. And as always, E-N-T apostrophe S, not E-N-C-E. People know that, I think. I hope. I, I knew that. Most people know that, mm-hmm. I think. So uh, another great song, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for bringing musicians. Thanks for sharing of your gifts and of your experience and your heart, your life. Oh, you're making me things. blush. It's appreciated very, very much. <laughs> um, there's some things in your background which mentioned a lot in your, in your press material that you had some yeah. substance abuse issues. So... This is a big thing for a lot of people, and in the music business, it's, yeah, it's even more prevalent. So, yeah. um, how about that? I'm curious <laughs> to know what like w- w- your experience in this. It seems like you'll speak fairly cavalierly about this. Like, yeah, was this was this a booze thing? Was this like a pills thing? Was it kind of like one of those all of the above situations? Or because it's you're sober now, yeah, uh, and congratulations, thank you. Um, but like, where did it start? Yeah, well. Uh, you're right. I have been sober for 11 years now, actually, which is really weird to say. One um, day at a time, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, uh, code words. Uh, but I was going to say um, that, uh, well, uh, you know, I would agree with you. There is a lot of drinking and substance abuse in, in the music world in the music business bad behavior let's say yeah exactly you know and uh i think that in this business you get a pass to really do it you know but i took several passes like many many passes as an artist you know i definitely did several tours where and it was booze i mean that was my devil it was whiskey it was beer and then it was pretty much anything that came in liquid form yeah you know i did mess with pills and i messed with stuff that you put up your nose and all that kind of stuff but i mean i always it was it was always about the booze um and that's what too much is never enough is really about actually right. it's about kind of how i used to live my life that i was always in this fog it was a little bit of a nightmare i was doing crazy stuff you know i try to make light of it 
you know, as well, because if I can't look back at my life and learn from it and laugh about it as well, right? you know, then it will always seem like that that was a black spot on my life that I should just totally ignore. And it's just like, man, that was, you know, that was a good 15 years of my life. I'm not going to say it was all bad, but I was just drunk a lot of the time, yeah. you know? Um, so were you, I mean, this I, this is actually related to music, but believe me, but I'm... Mm-hmm. It, with music, you do a lot of late night stuff. Oh yeah. But were you a guy who was like drinking in the morning too, or was it was it more of a functional type of thing where like you had to drink every day, and then that led to the gig, and then the gig there's you know they give you free beer at the gig. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm saying is that like the the infrastructure of the music business seems to enable us. Yes, it does. Substance abuse people. Yeah. Um. You know, I remember that one of the first times I was at Berkeley College of Music. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'd played a bunch of shows around, and sometimes we were underage, so sometimes there was beer, sometimes there wasn't. You know, it depended on the party or frat party or whatever you were playing. But I can remember we got it. My buddy and I got hired to like basically be kind of techs for one night at the Paradise Rock Club, which is a big rock club in Boston, oh, big, yeah. very well known club. And it was the band Wonder Stuff, which was a British <laughs> like sneering pop. I don't say pop because yeah. they were definitely more rock, but they weren't like aggro rock. They were mm-hmm. like British rock, you know, yeah. kind of sneering and like, you know. So we got to go backstage at the Paradise, and it was kind of a cool like my first experience with that kind of thing. And they had just trays and trays and trays full of just beers everywhere. Yeah. And you can just take whatever you want whenever you want. Oh yeah. And I mean, was that an enabler for you too, being in the music business? It must have been. Uh, a, a little bit. Like I said, it's a, it's it was more like the past. It was it was kind of like it didn't really matter where the booze came from. You know, I was always the I was always the first to burn through their drink tickets. Okay. You know, uh, and yeah, I like to have a little drink in the morning as well, especially if especially if I was on tour because right. all bets were off when I was on the road because it was like I didn't it, it, I wasn't even a part. It's an of alternate this, universe. I wasn't even a part of this world, man. You know, so. Um, and my bandmates would just kind of look the other way. They just knew that I was just going to, you know, I was just going to be trouble. And you didn't really know what you were going to get with me. Most nights I just wound up drunk and passed out in my bed, but sometimes I would disappear. Yeah. You know, and I would love to play that sort of lead singer card as well. And just yeah. sort of, you know, I have a couple great stories about, you know, I disappeared one night, uh, you know, when I was playing a gig in Detroit. And um, I think it started off, I was like hitting on some woman there that was there with her husband and she was kind of leading me on. And that wound up turning into like a little bit of like a, you know, a little bit of a fight in a parking lot and then blacking out. And I just remember waking up the next day, not knowing how I, you know, another one of those moments where like I didn't know how I had gotten to where I'd gotten, but somehow I had arrived safely in the place that I was supposed to be at. And it turns out that that place was my drummer's grandmother's house. Mm. And I wake up completely, just completely in a fog, probably still drunk. And everybody, his entire family mm. is at the breakfast table eating bagels and lox and cream cheese and like catching up as a family. And here I am this like complete total mess. And everybody knows that like some crazy stuff went on the night before. And I'm just kind of like left almost holding the bag and trying to explain, you know, meeting people for the first time. Oh, this is your grandmother. Oh, it's it's very nice to meet you, grandma. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the, the guy who's trouble. I'm the crazy lead singer who like disappeared and got in a fist fight last night. You know, that's, that's, that's who I am. So, um, more stories like that, but 
Yeah, I and the, kind of like an unknown fact about me is that I worked in the music business as well. I worked at record labels. I ran record labels, and uh, while I was, uh, you know, while I was working at like Capitol Records, you know, it was sort of like, you know, everybody was drinking at work, right? You know, and I know that people were like tooting in the bathroom at work and everything like that. And it was kind of like it wasn't necessarily like it was like socially accepted. Because you would be fired on the spot if somebody knew that you were doing that, but everybody just did it. Kind of looked the other way. Yeah, exactly. You know, I remember somebody uh, at Capitol got fired for smoking crack in their office. And uh, I remember thinking, go for it, man. I, go big or go home, right? Yeah, exactly. And I remember thinking, like, wow, that is some like next level stuff. Like, yeah. even I don't have the cojones to, like, pull something like that off. You know? Yeah, that's not really, like, a music business drug. No. Crack is no. more of a, like, bottom-of-the-barrel kind of, yeah, <laughs> you know, one-foot-in-the-grave kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't, like, it wasn't all doom and gloom for me, but it was basically, like, it was, I just, you know, I, I lived my life kind of like Dean Martin, you know? I just felt like I always had, like, a nice, steady buzz going, you Yeah. Know? So, but sometimes it went, sometimes it went nutty. It went totally south, you know, and that's, that, that'll happen. And now you said before you kind of alluded to this, but it, it must've been affecting your performance and your reputation Yeah, as a performer. Yeah. I mean, when, you know, I, I want to find out what it was that got you off of it here in a minute, but, but we'll, we'll circle back around to that. But, um, was it hard to rebuild your reputation once you were sober? Yeah, not not really. I think that I think the growing pain there was just kind of getting used to performing and being that person, but as a sober person, right. you know, because I was convinced that there was no way I'd be able to sing mm -hmm. and act on stage the way that I did without a drink. And it was very shocking to see that I was actually a better singer. And just way more. Imagine present. that, and way more present, <laughs> you know. And that the the jokes actually made sense, yeah, for once, you know, type of thing. So, I don't. I th it was, you know, from. I would say from an audience member's view, it was seamless. Okay. Except maybe they saw they saw like, oh, he's got like a little bit of, you know, he's the lights are back on, you know, and this guy because I did some crazy stuff, you know, performing. You know, I was very well known for you know, pulling people from the audience on stage and doing crazy stuff with them. And, you know, of course, the, the, not not country music, of course. Right. You know, country music is all sober life for me, you know. Um, but uh, in the rock and roll days, you know, it was definitely... Yeah. And then I would just... And then I would go and fall off that stage. You yeah. Know? So that was kind of my shtick. <laughs> I, uh, I pity your road manager <laughs> is what I do more than anything. It was mostly like, just us. Well, that's know? the thing. Like, well, somebody's got to babysit the drunk. It was. It was really. You know? the, it was the drummer. Yeah. The drummer. Yeah. 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 It really was. God bless him. You know. It's Still amazing to me sometimes how bands function as well as they do, given the substance abuse problems. Yeah. You know. Um. You get to a certain level that it doesn't almost doesn't matter anymore mm -hmm. because once you get to the point where you do have road managers and you do have, you know, label support and you're in a bus because that's a big key facet. If you're driving yourself from gig to gig in a van. You can only bow out of driving so many times yeah. before you got to be sober, and it's your turn to drive to Cleveland from Detroit or Chicago or Indianapolis never got or wherever you were. Never got you know? the keys. So which I'm sure went over very well with the rest of them, although maybe they just didn't trust you to drive. 
They just they they would just that was just the expectation. It's like we can't we're, we're not going to be able to count on this guy for anything yeah. except for showing up for the show. <laughs> and there was many shows even where like I was kind of you know I was showing up five minutes before we hit the stage. Yeah. Or I was like already like half in the bag right before showtime and like you know my guitar player was like you know uh, dumping cups of coffee down my throat just so that I can yeah. form a sentence you know mm. type of thing. Um, Pretty. Very. It was you gorgeous. You a pretty picture, A.J. Hobbs. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. So then tell me, what was it? What was, was there like one catalyst moment? Was there one epiphany moment where you decided or was there something that happened? No. That made you decide? There wasn't. And that's the funny thing about that story, you know, is that there wasn't. It was like, I, but when I, when I made the decision to stop, way worse things had happened. Yeah. Than had happened at that moment, you know. I would just say that it was kind of like, you know, the closest thing that I could describe to divine intervention. Okay. Well, that's a thing. Happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, but there was, there was no like sort of like pinnacle moment where it was like, wow, I have messed things up so badly that if I don't stop right now, like this is just, you know, I, I could die, you know, type of thing. It's just sort of, I just woke up one day and made the decision. Now, having made the decision, did you then have to go through any kind of process to dry out or did you uh in other words did you go through rehab did you it's, it's, it's a funny word to even say that or no. did you just kind of like everybody's different how they go about this you know yeah no i'm a i'm a 12-stepper guy you okay know, and that's all i've ever done you know so and i'm lucky i'm lucky because i know people who go to rehab over and over and over again yeah you know but that's what worked for me you know and that's totally cool you know and and yeah. and i'm i've been very fortunate and you know I guess the cool thing about being on the other side now is just knowing that like, yeah, I mean, at any given show or any given like music event or just being in this music world, there's going to be drunks yeah. around me, you know, and I've had the you know good fortune of being able to help other people get sober yeah. as well. And it's, great. well, it's cheaper. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, the band, the... Uh, you save a lot of money. Save a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Healthier. Yeah. You know, and other things are going well for you. You're married. You've got a kid. Yeah. Got a new record coming out. And I mean, I, for one, you know, I, I just find that interesting because I have, I have people in my family, alcoholics in my family. And I, you know, I watch, I watch them go through their struggle. And I have friends and yeah. I watch them go through their struggle. Oh, and yeah. for some people, it's a cold turkey situation. And they yeah. just, they just somehow find the strength one day and do it. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. I've, I've seen that happen. Other people, like you said, are in and out of rehab their entire lives. Yeah. You know, they spend the whole, they spend half their life in a bottle mm -hmm. and, or in a pill vial or godling they're up their nose, whatever, whatever yeah. it is, or a combination of things. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm very happy to see, you know, for now, there's the whole one day at a time concept. So you don't mm -hmm. want to say forever, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm happy to see that you're doing well. Thank you, man. And it shows up in the music too. It's good stuff. So how about another live tune here? What is this next one? So the next one is called The Loser, which is autobiographical, of course, but uh, it really is about the day that, you know, because as, as a musician and as a guy who's, you know, married and starting a family and everything like that, you know, I can't, there's, there's the world that I was living in at the time was I was doing all of these gigs at night, but still working like a steady day job. And you talked about it too. And, and um, I was just, you know, I, I hated my life, you know, like just at that one particular job. And in fact, I'm very thankful now that I had that job because I think it inspired me to do, st do a lot more stuff with music and sort of carve out my own life. Um, but in short, The Loser is about me walking off that job. Yeah. So 
When we come back, I want to talk about something you just said, which is how you did make that switch. Yeah. It's a hard thing for people, whether no matter what stage of your career you're in musically, there's a lot of people out there who would much rather be doing music for a living. Yeah. So let's talk about that when we come back. But first, let's hear this. A.J. Hobbs and his band, this is the song. Is it Loser or The Loser? You've said it two different ways now. It's The Loser. The Loser. Because I didn't want Beck to get upset. Like The Pink Floyd. (laughs) Pink Floyd started as The Pink Floyd. Everyone had a The at that point. It was very in vogue to have a The. So, okay, this is A.J. Hobbs and his band. The song is The Loser. This will be on his new record coming out early next year, February, as I like to say. Uh, The record is called, where'd it go? Oh, man. Too much is never enough. Too much is never enough. So, please forgive me. Okay, A.J. Hobbs, new song, Independence Day. Trying to make a life out of making a living Dreaming of the things I thought I'd killed ten years ago The bills are paid and my woman's happy But she has no idea That this guitar man's about to walk off And make a life out on the road They'll say I done lost my mind, I lose everything But being that kind of loser, well, that's all right with me Nearly lost the will to live just to work in that nine to five Now the only thing that I can lose is the feeling of being free All right on the other end well it just might not sound the same the good lord gave us all a number and he might pick mine any day so if i'm on the road with a five-piece band then the end won't be a shame they'll say i done lost my mind i lose everything Being that kind of loser, well, that's all right with me. Nearly lost the will to live just to work in that nine to five. Now the only thing that I can lose is the feeling of being free. Now the only thing that I can lose is the feeling of being free. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thanks for listening to Independence Day. This week's guest, A.J. Hobbs, California-based singer-songwriter, used to go under the name Cal King. He's got a band. He's got a new record. He's got an EP. He's got a kid. He's got a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of stuff, man. Your cup runneth over. I know. The American dream. He is the American dream. Let's mm-hmm. talk about, you mentioned something right before we went to play that song. Yeah. Um, which is that you had a day job at one point. And now, I guess I should backtrack. Is your full-time music now? 
Uh, well, no, almost, almost. It's it it every every month that goes by, I'm doing music a little more. Okay, you know, and 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 doing the other kind of work a little bit less. But I'm not reporting to a job anymore, and like okay. reporting to a desk. So I've you know I've been doing freelance work. You know, okay. basically in the the world that in the corporate in the professional world that I was raised, which was all like marketing and promotion. So that's okay. what I do right now. As you said, I. You said that I'm well marketed, and well, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, well, it shows. <laughs> so now, there was was there one again, kind of like getting sober. Was there a? You'd always been doing music all the way along, but was there? What was the tipping point that made you decide? Because I'm assuming then your goal is to be full time music, like 100. Yeah. percent Oh yeah. So was there a particular gig? Was it just like death by a thousand pricks? Was it attrition? Like, what was it that made you make that decision? Because it, it, the older people get, the easier it gets to be like, if the older I get, it's harder to find band members. Yeah. People drop off. People yeah. get tired. People get bored. People's wives are like, no more. Yeah. You know? I mean... Or husbands. The, the wrong job will push you over the edge, for sure. And that's exactly what had happened to me. Basically, you know, all my life, you know, I've basically been a musician, and then I've also been like a freelance consultant, basically, right? And um, uh, I got the work just dried up one day, and I was like, you know, like what is going on with my life? You know, it's like there's the the the, the money's gone, the savings is dried up. You know, I've got a mortgage, I'm getting married, I got all this kind of. <laughs> I know stuff. what I'll do. I'll start a band. Yeah, yeah. make lots of money. Well, no, then I got this job, right? Okay. And I'm sort of like, you know, and I'm like, okay, well that you know, hopefully that fixed everything. And of course it didn't. I mean, it was like the worst decision that I ever made. And I hung out in that job for like, God, like a year and a half or something like that, you know, yeah. just thinking that it would turn around and turn around and turn around. As that was happening, all of this wonderful stuff was starting to happen with me musically. I was like playing with better players. I was writing better songs. I was trying to set up this record and everything like that. And I just thought to myself like this, when I feel good, it's because I'm doing something musical. It's because I'm doing something that I enjoy with my life and I'm moving in that trajectory and I'm moving down that path. And when I feel bad, it's because I'm doing, because I'm going against the grain of like right. what I'm supposed to be doing apparently, you know? And um, so without, I, I mean, after a year and a half of basically dragging my like face and knuckles through the dirt of that job, were like lit and and everybody was like quitting around me too. It was I mean it was horrible. It was it was the perfect job for that moment in time because that the job had to be that bad for me to walk off. Okay, and that's exactly what I did. The day that I made that decision, it felt like there there was just there were there was no other there was nothing else that I could do. Yeah, except to come in that day and say I'm done. You yeah. know. And I'm gonna start playing music a whole lot more, and I'm, you know, and that's that's what's happened. And the, the music, and literally right after that, all this other great stuff started happening too. I went to Nashville and started playing with some folks, and then I went on a tour in Texas, and I started working on this record and everything like that. And just, I'm not saying like the money started rolling in, but I've been sort of putting the blocks in place to like yeah. make sure that like I could that that there was more sustainability from a financial perspective around. Right doing music so we're not there yet 100 percent. Right. but let's see let's see what happens after this show the funny thing is man you'd be surprised how many people in the music business now and it kind of ties into the concept i have which is that everybody's independent to a certain extent people yes. who are well known yeah are doing other things for money mm -hmm. and i think that's something that it's a it's not a fair judgment to make so when i ask that question it's not to say oh you're not full-time music that means you're not a musician or anything like that's not a value mm -hmm. judgment 
people who are well known, people who are being played on the radio, are doing other things for money they as are. well mm-hmm. as doing music. And I think it's more common than it has ever been in the past, mm-hmm. because as the job market has become fractured and more diffuse, mm-hmm. uh, people have to make a living. People have to eat. You know, yeah. an expensive town, New York, L.A., even Nashville yeah. nowadays, Austin, places yeah. where music musicians. <laughs> go. I to, agree. To make and there's it. no shame. There's no shame. And I know that there's probably some people out there that are just like ashamed to talk about like the day job. You yeah. Know? I'm just like, dude, you got to eat. You have to pay. Everybody has to do this, you know. And unless you, you know, were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you know, then that's that's your reality. And there's right. totally nothing wrong with that because. Yeah, man. I mean, the 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 you know to get the slam, you know, to get the grand slam or the you know or the slam dunk in music is like a one in a billion. It thing. doesn't happen much. It's a one in a billion thing. However, what's been so cool about this journey is seeing people around me, like all the guys who I played with today. They are full time musicians and girl, and girl. They are full time musicians, and um, that's amazing to me. You know, because growing up. My generation, I don't know, maybe yours too, or something like that. You know, when I told, well, I'm 22, so I don't yeah, know. Okay, so you never heard this, right. which was that. You know, when I told people that I was going to school for music, they were like, "Great, what are you going to do for a living?" Right. You know, how are you going to make money? You know, because you're 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 not going to make money. You know, and you're you're going to fail. Everybody else fails, and I mean, now I don't know if the rhetoric is so. Uh, is 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 kind of so prevalent now, you know. I mean, I would never, but that's the great thing. I have a son now, and if my son wanted to make music for a living, I could tell him, like, look, I know people that did that, and I did it too. But I've met people all along my journey that like have been able to like make a decent life for themselves making music. But yeah. here's all the things that you should do, you know. Definitely learn your business first of all, you know. Just not, you know, you could. Be creative and write all the songs that you want, but like you know, definitely figure out how to market and sell your music yeah. because that's how you're going to turn it into cash. And explore all these different channels in which you can do. I mean, you can perform, you can create merch, you can do, you can monetize video content, whatever it is. You know, there's there's just a lot of options there. Instead of like you're never going to make it, which yeah. I love. You know? Diversification is key to a certain extent. You know, being willing. To, I, it's parallel paths is another way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, there are many things I'm interested in doing, and there are many things that I've been paid to do. I mean, the joke I always said is that, uh, you know, well, what do you do, Mr. Armstrong? I say, well, I'm a, I'm a songwriter, which means I'll do anything you'll pay me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I've painted houses, I've dug holes, I've worked in offices, I've managed offices, I've done website design. I mean, you name it, mm-hmm. you name it. Um, and, you know, to a person, that's what musicians do because musicians work very, very hard. I think to your point... You have to be realistic about what that goal is. Yeah. Right? You know, we all get into it for the same pie in the sky thing. We see Led Zeppelin behaving badly and throwing TVs out the window. Mm-hmm. And like, and then that there's, there's some kind of like magnetic pull to like that kind of bad behavior. Oh, yeah. But then it's, if you are serious about it all, you get into it and you realize well, this is actually going to be a lot of work. Yeah. And it's going to take a lot of energy and it's going to take a lot of time. And it's, you know, the, you, you, you may not get that throwing the, chance to throw the TV out the window, but there's a different life. You can make mm. a living at this. You really can. You can do it and you can, you know, and maybe you'll get to that point and maybe you'll never want to get, maybe once you see what the backside or the growth, mm. you know, the, the seedy underbelly of the music business is really like, maybe mm. then you won't really want to be, you know, maybe you don't want to throw TVs out the window because what you realize is what you really wanted to do was play guitar and write songs. Yeah. Or play pedal steel at someone else's gig or... You know, there's a million paths. Exactly. And that's, that's you know, and it's, if you, if you realize that going into it, 
you'll be a lot more successful. Not only that, but you might find like a, a, a reality and a, an existence for yourself in the business of music that you never even thought of. Right. You know? Yeah, of course. I mean, I just, I wanted to shred guitar. Like, you know, all throughout like my like preteen and teen years, that was like my goal in life, you know? Um, I went to school for it, you know? And then I wound up singing. Where'd you go to school? Out of I went to UC Santa Cruz. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, UC Santa Cruz doesn't have a shredding department, so I wound up being a classical singer, actually, which is kind of interesting little tidbit that, you know, we could talk about in the next interview. But um, <laughs> that being said, the entire time I was in school, nobody was telling me how to turn what I was learning and loving, you know, into a business yeah. other than like, well, you need to go audition for some stuff, you know, and I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, that's too bad. Because maybe things would have been... I'm happy the way things wound up, you yeah. know, but uh, maybe things would have been different. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's just, you know, there's 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 a way to... There, there's so many ways to do this business of music, you know. Yeah. Just kind of, you just you just have to be willing to learn about it, create, and then be teachable, you know. Yeah. It's kind of become the leitmotif of the show, <laughs> which is that uh, before there was kind of a path. It was a strange path and an unorthodox path, mm -hmm. but we kind of knew what it was. We built a fall, you know, we wrote some songs, we got our friends together into a band, we got some instruments, we tried, you know, play some shows out of town. You built a following, tried to get the attention of an A&R person, yep. tried to sign some kind of paper that gives you money to then make a record and then hopefully not screw it up at any of those stages, you know, steps along the way. That is such a good story. But now... <laughs> <laughs> and it's never that cut and dry, but that was yeah. kind of the idea, the ideal that we were we bought into yeah. as kids. And then what we realized, or what I at least realized is, and that's why I do this show, is that there are as many ways to do it as there are people doing it. Yeah. And more so than ever before, because the internet has become the great equalizer for the for better and for worse. It really has. Um, and here we are, yeah. you know, keeping at it, doing what we do. So uh, AJ, we've got enough time for one more song. That's amazing. What, uh, what is this last song? So this last song that I want to play for you is East Side. Uh, it's a great song. It's uh, um, you know it's 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 a little bit of a departure from country, um, but the story it's the story of how my wife and I met. Mm. Yeah. So um, and that's like kind of one of the cool things that sort of you can take away from this you know, from this conversation and hopefully checking out the record in February when it comes out. This is these are all my stories. You know. Yeah. So and kudos to her, man. Any any partner of a musician. Yeah, is seriously. automatically like a saint. Yeah, honestly, exactly. You know, and it coming takes to every show, even when she was like eight, nine months pregnant, she was at all the shows. You know, kudos to her. Yeah, so hats off. Yeah, is indeed. she Mrs. Hobbs or did she, she keep her on me? Well, I, was gonna say, I was going to say hats off to Mrs. Hobbs, but that's an assumption I should. Well, some people call her Mrs. Her name is Alex Stapleton. Okay. Yeah. Well, Alex, kudos to you. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for being cool about it. So uh, this is A.J. Hobbs, one last song. The song is called East Side on Independence Day. You lay staring at the ceiling On another couch that's not your bed With enough money in your pocket For a bottle 
and a loaf of bread They all raved about your movie The photos at the festivals look nice But the darling at the party was barely living And all the friends she made turned cold as ice And the hardest thing was trying to keep it up You're no stranger to those times when they're rough You may have fooled them all, but I can't tell I was there to catch you Before you fell Troubles make you crazy And they keep you up constantly Take a long ride to the east side, honey And lay all your troubles down on me Take a long ride to the east side, honey And lay all your troubles down on me As the years went by, things got better The movie queen had taken back her crown And the friends of friends of friends all want to meet you You didn't need a man like me You lay staring at the ceiling In the bed they make you almost every day And you wonder how the hell did it all happen And you figure they could take it all away And a sunny day can always turn to rain Make the biggest world seem mighty small The wind of change will blow you over And I was there to catch you Before you fall Take a long ride to the east side, honey And lay all your troubles
me Take a long ride to the east side, honey And lay all your troubles down on me Take a long ride to the east side, honey And lay all your troubles down on me That's one last time, A.J. Hobbs and his band. Let's thank them one last time. That is uh, Kitten Kudoy on vocals, Storm Road the Fourth. Love when that guy comes in. He's coming in with several different people yeah. on the record, and he's always good and always easy to work with, which is the, the hallmark of a consummate professional. Mm-hmm. So that's, what, that's what I should say on Storm Road's business <laughs> on card. His, on his business card. He's the consummate professional. <laughs> uh, and good tone, too. Good licks, good tone. It's a big thing for guitar players. At least it is yes. for me. Jeremy Long on pedal steel, and lovely, lovely pedal steel playing by him. Oh, he's great. He's you are great. you are fortunate to have these people in your band. These are great players, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing I learned a long time ago. Always play with people better than you, and always play yeah. with people, because they make you sound better. They, have, oh. they push you. Without so, them, it's just me. Uh, so to wrap up, man, you've got dates coming up uh, later this month. You'll be in uh, how do you is it Santa? How do you say this? Inez, Santa Inez, Inez. Yeah, uh, and that's at the Maverick Saloon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a free show. That's on a Saturday night. It's nice to play on a Saturday night, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, and then Culver City uh, Cinema Bar with Nakona. They're friends of the show as well. That's yeah. on the 18th. I'm excited uh, to play with those guys. They're yeah, great. good people and girls. And girls, yes. This asterisk we have to add to everybody. Oh, of course, I know, I know. Especially in this era, we're the royal guys. We are sensitive to these (laughs) things. Uh, And then you're doing a short uh, next month uh, in uh, December. You're doing a short tour to Texas. You're going to be in Austin, New Braunfels. Uh, San Antonio and San Marcos as well. Yeah, and uh, you're pretty much always booking shows. You've always got stuff going on. I look back at your thing. If you go to the website ajhobsmusic.com, you've got dozens and dozens of shows. Yes, you can look places that you play. I'm I'm always I'm always either playing live or on the road or something like that, and. Guarantee that 2017 is going to be a lot of a lot more of that being on the road stuff. Yeah, and will there yeah. be a special release show for the record? Because I don't know that uh, what you call it, uh, Grand Ole Echo isn't really going by February. I right? heard that they want to do a later? special show just for me. No, uh-huh. um, no, I uh, I will definitely be putting something together. I don't know when or okay. where, but yeah, definitely look out for a release, a special release show in February. Well, keep us posted because we'll make sure that people know about it. Uh, at least we'll I do will. our best from our end, from our little shouting the top of our hill, whatever that's worth. So, uh, man, I can't thank you enough, man. P- go thank see you his for shows. having me. Uh, this is AJ Hobbs, uh, like I said, Southern California-based musician, but he's touring pretty regularly. He's around other places, other places in the world. People listen to the show all over the place, and I'm thankful for that. So check him out on the road to get his music, ajhobsmusic.com. Follow him on Twitter, all those other things. AJ, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate it so hey, very it's much. It's great what you're doing here, man. Thanks thank for having you. me. I appreciate that. I work hard at it. I hope it sounds good. I know. That's the goal. I know. So thanks to A.J. Hobbs and his band, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton, the newly engaged Tony Tonlo Piscotti, and congratulations to him and Victoria Station, managers of the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Check them out as well. For Independence Day, as always, I'm Joe Armstrong. If you do anything this week, go vote, and please be good to one another.